The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's Hourhead Pride Radio. My name is Pete Sweeney. And I'm sitting across uh, from Kent Swanson, and we're just, what, about 25 hours and 20 minutes away from Thursday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos. Arrowhead Pride Radio is presented by Village West Discount Liquors. Um, big news out of the day. Let's get, let's get right to it, Kent. It is, it, it's a unique situation because here we are, Wednesday, hump. Day, as they say in the commercial, <laughs> and we already have the injury report. Uh, Kendall Fuller, Eric Fisher, Chris Jones, and Andrew Wiley will not go. And the big news of the day, uh, the unfortunate news of the day, is that Sammy Watkins, who seemed like it was a game time decision, will not play against the Denver Broncos. It'll be like the third game in the row. Uh, three games ago, he, this star- is fine. he started the game and left for after like two or three plays. Uh, missed last game. Third game in a row. Second year in a row where Watkins has tried to play, left the game, and then missed multiple games. He tried to play the last time they were in Denver, I believe. He tried for a few plays, couldn't do it. I think it was LA. Was it I thought I thought he did it in I thought he did it in Denver too. It's possible that it was both. But, I don't remember. But the last year's was definitely he tried to go on Monday night football in LA and then missed I think till the playoffs. Pete, my my as I get older, you know, we're both in our thirties now. <sighs> Stinks. I I didn't, didn't want to remind you there, but it you know I, I hate Thursday night football. The older I get, the more I realize how insane Thursday night football is. And this Thursday night football game is coming at the least opportune time for the Kansas City Chiefs. All these injury issues. No Sammy Watkins now. Right. I just, it, the, the, the injuries are mounting, and it's only week seven. Well, just to hit on your point about Thursday night football, I went out to practice the other day, so the media is allowed to watch the first 20 minutes of one practice. Usually it's three on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but this is obviously a, a unique situation. And you go out there, and there's no pads, and they take it a step further for t- Thursday night. They don't even really wear helmets, so it's a, like a glory. You basically get a one practice and two glorified walkthroughs. There's no time to game plan, and that was a question I asked Andy Reid this week. I was like, it "Doesn't it? Isn't it better that it's a division game because it's, you already know what you're going to be doing?" And he goes, "No, this is a new coaching staff, which." For what it's worth, I kind of forgot about, but it's 100% yeah. true. You you have to sort of re-game plan for the Denver Broncos because it's a whole new coaching staff. And 
here we are. They get about a day and a half of preparation when usually you're preparing for seven days. Yeah, it's 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 a tough task. Uh, and I, I, I you can lean on some of the things that a Vic Fangio has done in the past, for instance, but it's not going to be an entirely, uh, you know, pound for pound exact replica of what he's done in the past. He's got new personnel. So, yeah, there's definitely some challenges here. The Chiefs have relatively stayed, you know, pretty stable. Obviously, Steve Spagnuolo's new. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of a disadvantage, uh, amongst all the other disadvantages the chiefs are dealing with right now that they don't really have a ton of time to prepare for Vic Fangio, who, by the way, Vic Fangio is no slouch as a defensive, as, as a defensive mind. I know things haven't really gone well to this point right. in Denver, but even some of the games that they've played to this point, their defense has not been the problem. It's that Joe Flacco is leading their offense. Right. We will get into detail on this game coming up on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. 6 p.m. tomorrow. We'll take you up right before the game, 6 to 7.20. Right now we're talking Chiefs. I want to get back to Sammy Watkins. The Chiefs have an option here. And after people found out Watkins wasn't going to play on Thursday night, I saw a lot of angry fans, so I said, let me throw up the poll. The Chiefs have the option to move on from wide receiver with Sammy Watkins after this season, saving $14 million against the cap. In 2020, if you're GM Brett Veach, do you cut Watkins after this season? There are other options there. We know that uh, if you can trade him, I, I doubt that you'll be able to, pointing to Justin Houston. But anyway, that's the question I asked. Do you cut Watkins after this season? 89% of fans said they would move on. And, Pete, I'll be honest with you. Even during Sammy Watkins' successful times you know, in Kansas City, the first week of the season, me, Craig, uh, and, and Matt, I think you'll hear from Craig Litter on the show. We were talking. I think we were. I think we've all kind of been preparing to move on from Sammy Watkins, whether or not he was having success or not. It was just a matter of if you were going to have to outright cut him, or if you were going to be able to get an asset for him. If he played 16 games this year and if he had a ton of success, right. if he had a thousand yards receiving or 1,200 yards receiving and six touchdowns. You're probably getting an asset for him on a one year. What what ultimately a team would incur 14 million dollar cap hit for one season of Sammy Watkins. I don't think there's any chance at this point, that they are getting something for Sammy Watkins. I think they are outright cutting him. There was I don't think there was any chance he was going to be playing on his $21 million cap figure, though. I, I've gone through many phases with Sammy Watkins. Yes, you I, have. I, I I've was been a, there for all of them. I was a hater last year. I never really liked the deal. I was a hater last year. I was especially a hater when he was out of the lineup. Then you get to the playoffs and you say, you're right, this team is completely different when he's healthy and on the field. So... I gave him another chance. I said, okay, this guy, we the Chiefs need this guy, <laughs> right? And then he comes into training camp and says, the cliche training camp thing. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm going to be on the field this year. I worked with trainers in the offseason. I've never trained like this. Sometimes I do too much. This was managed. I'm going to be the healthiest I've ever been this year. You're going to get maybe 16 games out of me. He didn't say 16 games. That, that's me paraphrasing, but it, it felt <laughs> like that, right? And then it just happens again. The same thing. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost like this old relationship. You said we were 30s, right? Where you, you go back to and you're like, oh, it's going to be different this time. <laughs> A week or two passes and what happens? The same old arguments, the same old problems, the same old Sammy Watkins. And now the Chiefs are left with no choice. You eventually have to move on because you're about to give out the richest contract in history. Well, what's so sad is... You know, they were pay like he was paying on all those cliches in the first week. All everything about week one was like, okay, 
Uh, this guy looks completely different. He did look like he was in the best shape of his life. He looked the most explosive. He looked incredible, according to Good Morning Football. He did look incredible. <laughs> I mean, he flat out did. He the, did. The first touchdown of the season. 192 yards. Oh, he, but the, the first touchdown of the season catches a slant, explodes through two defenders, and, and has the long speed to finish. It looked like one of the best receivers in football, but you don't ever get that. You get that for two games a year. You get a middling, and well, he's better than middling. He's a great – when he's, he's healthy, he's a a close to elite wide receiver. Yeah. He is. He is. I could admit that. But at, at a certain point, you, ha- you have to move on because it doesn't matter how good you are if you can't stay healthy. There's too much of a sample size to this point to say that he's ever going to be able to sustain health for 16 games or 19 games. And it's it's just it's just the realities of it. Hopefully, hopefully, what happens is you get the same Sammy Watkins you saw in Week One from Week Sixteen of the regular season into the playoffs. Because if that happens, you know, it, he might, he's probably worth it. He's probably worth it for the first two years of his contract if that happens. A very significant side note that we probably shouldn't leave in fine print is that Bashad Breland is questionable to make this trip to Denver. Reports from the Athletics that he was not even on the plane to Denver today. Not great. So you are looking at right now, no Watkins on the offensive side of the football. And on the defensive side, your cornerbacks, Mo Claiborne, Rashad Fenton, and Charvarius Ward. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, you have to think. You have to think. The day get- after, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey goes to the Rams. To be fair, I don't know what the Chiefs could have given up to get uh, to get him because I think they would have had to exceed what the Rams gave up. I think they probably would have had to give up like a 2021 first and second and this year's first to match it. Honestly, I, I know I'm just mentioning it's, it's I, a little it's, bit of salt to the wound. It it's, said, it, yeah. it was, you got the salt last night and then you didn't know you were getting <laughs> the wound. It was a little bit of a reverse, yeah. uh, but the salt came last night and then you could pour it into your own wound today. So the chiefs are going to be uh, a little bit deficient and yeah. then you go to the other side of this. So what, what did Ian Rappaport say at the beginning of the week? Okay, uh, the Chiefs are optimistic about Watkins. Broncos are optimistic about Sanders. So at the beginning of the week, you think, okay, both of these guys are going to go. Watkins, not going, as we talked about. Emmanuel Sanders doesn't even get an injury designation. Not even questionable. He will be on the field against your cornerbacks where Charvarius Ward is one or two. Yeah, you've got to be really scared of of the fact that Emmanuel Sanders will be on the field for Joe Flacco to completely miss. So, uh, no, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous about this, about that happening. I, I think Emmanuel Sanders, he's a good football player when he's, when he's available. Uh, he definitely presents us a threat down the field. And if Joe Flacco isn't pressured, if you don't move him off his spot, which this team hasn't really had a lot of success doing rushing the passer lately. Yeah. He could definitely hurt them. And now that she's don't have Sammy Watkins. So, uh, Patrick Mahomes, hobbled on three days rest and Tyreek Hill in his second game back from a, uh, a, cla- a sternoclavicular, sternoclavicular mm. injury. I love the way you enunciate. Yeah. Uh, Kendall Fuller. Been practicing. For what it's worth, this is just Thursday night football. As you said, uh, it's tough to get guys back for that game. Kendall Fuller will probably be back with some kind of protection, I would think, 10, 11 days from now, Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. It's just you got to get through this game. I think with Fuller out, I was talking to some colleagues today, I think with Fuller out, it's a good case that Fenton would have played anyway. I think he's the backup slot guy, at least as of training camp. We don't get to watch practices 
since training camp. As of training camp, Fenton was the back slot guy. Yeah. So he might have gotten some time. Maybe not the whole game, but he might have gotten some time anyway. Is there a scenario here where you just play more safeties? Are you better off just doing that? I wonder if this is not a game where Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, plays as a slot corner. He plays. He spins down there. He'll play. He'll play in the slot. But he'll if, as an actual nickel corner. This might be a week where you see Tyron Matthew out there. I would not be surprised at all because I think I trust Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, and and Juan Thornhill more than I trust Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, and Rashad Fenton. Well, there you have it. Uh, that was 12 minutes, or if you want to be exact, 11 minutes and 45 seconds of doom and gloom. Freaking out. So we're going to go to break, but when we come back from break, I'm going to let you know about the bright side of this. We'll welcome on Craig. We'll figure out this defense. Don't go anywhere. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by Village West Discount Liquors. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief at ArrowheadPride.com, hanging out with Ken Swanson, our lead film and draft analyst, Crame Dog uh, behind the glass. Get at us, 69306. It's the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. You can also mention us on Twitter at Arrowhead Pride. Coming up a little later, we will read both your texts and your tweets. We'll talk about them here, 69306. Zero six. I want to talk about Juan Thornhill because I think at a time when everything for the Kansas City Chiefs could go wrong, it is. You know, everything that could possibly go wrong Pretty is much. going on right wrong right now. I mean, it could get worse. I understand that. I'm not trying to jinx anything here, but uh, we need some bright. We need a bright spot. We need some hope. <laughs> uh, Juan Thornhill, I I thought, and Pro Football Focus thought. Over the weekend, and pro football focus isn't always right, but just bear with me here, that Juan Thornhill had the best game of his young career, the best game on defense for the Chiefs. Uh, I know a lot of people are upset about that interception. Uh, it was a fourth down play. Okay. A lot of people are like, oh, he should have knocked it down. He should let's, have. Let's, let's, let's see if you <laughs> you have one. Go ahead, you go, I wasn't going to do go an ahead. impression, go. but I was going to lose my mind a little bit. No, no. Oh, God. Not, not Mad Kent. We don't need Mad Kent. Okay. I just, okay, whatever. No, go. Sorry. No, you're fine. Sorry for hijacking this. No, 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 you're fine. (laughs) So it was fourth down, and Juan Thornhill made an explosive play. He should have knocked it down. Okay, you saved 20 yards. I think Patrick Mahomes is probably still fumbling anyway because he held on to the ball too long. Yeah. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. You can see a breakdown on that play on Arrowhead. (laughs) Good plug. Good plug, Kent. I'm getting better at this. Defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo was asked about the would-be or should-have-been knocked down the other day. I'll be perfectly honest with you. When he caught it, I was fired up for him to catch it, too. Um, you know, then quickly, when I realized where we were, we, ha- we now had the ball, and it was fourth down. I, my guess is that it would have taken a real savvy veteran that's been back there for a long time, you know, that, that, that all registers that, to knock it down. I just think it was... He really good job covering. Uh, we were in man. They caught us in man. They took a shot. I don't think that's really what they wanted to do, um, but they had a, they saw an opportunity and one took it away. So I was happy for him to have done that. But your point is is a good one. I think we get obsessed sometimes with the outside, and I, I understand it with this team a little bit because they could use some help from the outside. 
But like things like the Minka Fitzpatrick deal and the Jalen Ramsey deal, they they have gone to other teams. And what we forget sometimes is that young players, especially ones that are high, as highly touted as Juan Thornhill was by Chiefs Brass and Lewis Riddick and all the draft analysts, at some point along the lines here, six, seven, eight games of experience, you're going to become the player that everyone thought you'd become. Right. And that interests me this week. I said, you know, Juan, you seem to be playing faster. Uh, and, and we went into the locker room. And I think these are good words of encouragement on a week when we feel pretty grim. Here's Juan Thornhill. Okay, so at first it was just like I was out there thinking a little bit. I wasn't playing fast. And then yeah. last game I felt like I was pretty comfortable. And, and the game was just like slowing down for me. And I actually felt that. And I started to see a lot more. And that just allowed me to make plays on the football. Was that at the beginning of the game? Or was there a certain point where you had something finally clicked for you? I mean, honestly, I came into that game feeling a lot different. I feel like I knew our defense a lot more. I feel more confident in everything. So that was the biggest thing. Just going into that game with more confidence than I used to have. Because I feel like I know our defense. Any idea that went, went into that? Was a teammate was it a coach do you think it just it just finally just time caught up with you i just felt like it was time honestly like getting those getting the repetition in games and also being able to play next to guys like tyron that, that he's been into us i've been following in his footsteps and he's been leading in the right direction uh thank you to jody fortson and bashan breland for playing basketball during my interview with Mark <laughs> thornhill uh but that's that's words of encouragement right because you could tell that finally you know, college game is very different than mm-hmm. the pros. He he's getting used to the speed, which is much much faster game. Yeah, and I think you know all these calls that he's having to you know sort through and work through, understanding the defense. There's a little bit of nuance. There's a little bit of gray area that allows you to interpretate interpret some things. You know, allows you to you know you, you start processing things a little bit differently. There's cheats and there's ways that you can kind of process what's happening in front of you a little bit differently that you kind of develop and learn and grow as you become more comfortable with the scheme and what your responsibilities are. And I think you're kind of starting to see that a little bit where maybe, you know, some of the instincts and, and some of the just natural talent and, and, and the cerebral side of his abilities are kind of starting to pick up a little bit. With that being said, Kent, let's welcome in our defensive film analyst, watches the film every week of the defense. Hasn't been fun lately. We thought it would be more fun this year. <laughs> Uh, Craig, I want to know about Juan Thornhill. Were, did you see what he was talking about as far as understanding and getting used to the speed of this game? Oh, absolutely. Juan Thornhill, from week one to week six, looks like a completely different player, and he wasn't bad in week one. He was pretty darn good in week one. He seems to see the field better. He's processing, like Kent said, he's processing those routes you know, distributions a lot quicker and he's reading and reacting appropriately. And then he's showing his range on the back end, his ability to cover, you know, numbers to numbers. There's a single high safety, his ability to track Will Fuller deep on that interception. And then his ability to run the alley, get downhill and blow up a screen or a run to the flat. He's just been fantastic so far. Isolated from him needing to knock down the football, what did you see on the interception play? I I saw a guy who recognized that these routes were going to carry vertically. He was a man against Will Fuller. He was able to kind of get low into his pedal, read Deshaun Watson, see that Watson was loading up this pass. He was able to flip his hips and has the speed to get to the catch point and then the strength to get up, make that play. He's got great ball skills. Will Fuller is fast. He's ridiculously fast. Juan Thornhill was able to kind of blanket cover him fairly easily. It was pretty great to see. 
We'll be doing this at about the same time tomorrow. The Arrowhead Pride tailgate leading into Thursday night football. Talking to Craig probably a little bit more about the Broncos and Chiefs matchup. We found out today, Craig, that Kendall Fuller will be out. We knew that Chris Jones will be out. Uh, but the news that Bashad Breland is questionable throws a wrinkle into this whole thing. How are you generally feeling about the cornerback situation? Well, I'm not particularly high on the cornerback <laughs> situation to begin with. So, I mean, that's right. not great. But Bashad Breland, I feel like, has still been the Chiefs' best corner. I know that Charvarius Ward played pretty well this past weekend. But he, he is very hit and miss. He's a roller coaster, and he's had a lot of lows. Just because he's not been targeted during those lows doesn't mean that he's not blowing some coverages and things like that. Bashad Breland also doesn't look great as of late, but I think he's been tasked with covering the, the opposition's number one corner more often than not. I do think that he would have been a good fit to match up against Emmanuel Sanders, give Ward the ability to match up against a longer Cortland Sutton, I don't know. I, I just really worry about how they're going to be able to match up if it is just Mo Claiborne and Charvarius Ward on the outside. Couldn't this thing that happened with Thornhill where everything finally clicks happen with Ward? And I understand it's a little bit less likely and it may take a little bit longer considering um, Thornhill had a lot more coming out. I think we know that. Uh, but couldn't something like that happen to Ward? Is it trending at all in that direction or you just don't see that happening for the kid? I mean, it could in the right scheme. He still struggles to feel the route. He does look better than he did in the preseason when he just really was not, didn't look like his own corner at all. He looks a little more like one. Charverius Ward's problem is he's got very stiff wooden hips. That's just, that's just genetics, and there's nothing that he can really do about that. He doesn't really have the ability to change direction quickly. And so some of these sharper route runners, guys that can match up, and kind of sell a vertical route and then break back inside, he's just going to be late on every single one of those. It's just not in him to be able to react to that. Steve Sagnola needs guys that can do that if they're going to play outside in a zone scheme like this one. It'll kind of free up some of those guys inside to blitz a little more or be able to go downhill a little bit more against some of these running backs because they're also getting beat there. Man, I, I, I felt that. I, I, too, have wooden hips. Same. As it turns out. <laughs> so does Craig. I, as do I. <laughs> Craig, I'll close with this, and we're going to talk to you again tomorrow. Just give us something positive. Leave us with something positive that you're seeing about this Chiefs defense. They are very opportunistic. This team will turn the ball over. I, I feel like this Chiefs defense is predicated upon turning the ball over. They need to clean up the run defense. I'm not trying to excuse a lot of the bad stuff, but they do a good job of forcing turnovers even against teams that aren't particularly turnover happy, they tend to just kind of find their way into some of these things. Steve Spagnuolo has done an excellent job putting his cornerbacks in good spots, giving them the ability to go up and make plays. Tyron Matthew is also making a lot of plays from the safety position and Juan Thornhill. I do think that that's going to be something that they can lean on a little bit more when things aren't going great. It's kept them in some games this year that maybe they shouldn't have been in. That's Arrowhead Pride defensive film analyst Craig Stout. You'll get to hear more from him tomorrow on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. A little bit more of the nitty-gritty of this Chiefs-Broncos matchup, so stick with that. Craig, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, thanks for having me. Oh, man, 
I'm really, I'm really trying to <laughs> to have some rainbows and sunshine for the Chiefs fans. Out I was there. kind of surprised he was able to find something positive to talk oh, well. about on the defense. See, that's, I'm, I'm, that's the type I'm, of energy we don't need. I'm with all that energy. I'm being real, but no, they, they, they actually, they really have done a good job of turning the football over, and they in the red zone. They've had some. They've, they've made a lot of turnovers with balls in the red zone. I mean, they had two last week. I think they had one the week before. That's that that helps, but it's it's, it's just, everything before that. Being realistic, it's just a little different now because of of Mahomes being a little bit hindered. Mm-hmm. Where at any time you gave him the football, that suddenly could be a score. It just doesn't feel that way. The right. sudden change offense is not there, and you saw after after Juan Thornhill made an excellent interception. I would probably defend him a little bit on actually coming down with the football, but that's another story. Uh, right afterwards, they try to take a shot downfield. Nobody is open. Right. For some they 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 took a vertical shot down the field with Demarcus Robinson on a double move, Byron Pringle, Travis Kelsey on a crossing route, and maybe it is McCole Hardman on a swing route. Nothing was really open particularly much, but also when Mahomes isn't able to throw the ball down the field with as much, you know, as quickly as he's able to, he change his feet, get his feet set or, or get or position. Yeah, yeah it, it was just it wasn't working. And so he stu- he stood there like a statue and got obliterated. Well, we're trying to keep this up, but Kent brings it back. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about what the national heads are saying about your Chiefs. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by Village West Discount Liquors. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by Village West Discount Liquors. Pete Sweeney here with Crane Dog and Kent Swanson. We're about 24 hours away from the Chiefs and the Broncos on Thursday night football. The big news, Sammy Watkins will not be playing in this game. Neither will Kendall Fuller, Eric Fisher, Chris Jones, Andrew Wiley. Bashad Breland is questionable with a non-injury designation. Everything's fine. The Chiefs are coming off their second loss uh, against the Houston Texans, a 31-24 victory for the Texans. So, as you'd imagine, it wasn't the most positive national week for the Chiefs. We're going to go around the nation and hear what they're saying. Let's go to Colin Cowherd with Fox Sports talking about Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and how they're now comparable. Do you realize in the, uh, their last 16 games, um, Deshaun Watson's 12-4 and four and Patrick Mahomes is 11-5? and five. You, you do get that. And, and Patrick's got the better quarterback. And Patrick's got the better offensive line. You do get that, right? The last calendar year, Deshaun's won more, been more accurate, and has been sacked three times as many times. Is that we forget how good this kid is. Deshaun Watson is absolutely unbelievable. Also, Patrick Mahomes has the better coach, the better offensive line, the more organizational structure, and actually he plays for a team that has a GM. (laughs) Actually, Deshaun Watson was Mahomes before Mahomes. Kent, you look visibly ill, man. (laughs) We spent last segment trying not to be too negative, and now you're just going to irritate me, Pete. Like, (sighs) look. No disrespect to Deshaun Watson. No disrespect to Deshaun Watson. Very good football player. Sure. Patrick Mahomes is a transcendent talent, a generational talent, and the best quarterback that has come through this National Football League in 30 years. No! (laughs) I'm sorry. No, you're right. 
Um, so you're okay. Thank you, Pete. But I think what it says is it's happening, right? Yeah. It's happening where... Well, we knew it was going to happen. You're starting we... to get the doubters. The doubters are coming <sighs> out of the woodwork. It was hard to doubt. It was hard to doubt with a smile on your face, and, and now you're starting to hear that. He looks vulnerable because of the ankle injury, and you're going to get this, especially on the national stage. Colin Coward had to bring out the QB wins argument. He had to bring out the QB wins. Every, he, he ignored statistics. <laughs> he ignored yards per attempt, I'm the, sure. All of the faces always do bring that up. That's something you have to realize. He's a winner. Football. He's a winner. Uh, let's go to NBC Sports. Mike Florio, he remembers the offseason. Remember when we said that the Chiefs defense doesn't have to be much better this year and yeah. there's no way it can be worse? Right. Is it worse than it was last year? I don't think it's worse. Uh, I think one of the big issues... More than anything, I don't know. Maybe it is worse. Okay, consider these numbers. Yeah, go you ahead. Pass yeah, judgment. go ahead. Go ahead. The Chiefs have given up at least 180 rushing yards in four straight games. Yeah, that's scary. Ravens had 203. Lions had 188. Colts had 180. Texans had 192. Ooh, man, yeah, that's that's not good because the big thing is, and this is something I talked about on my podcast a little bit. They got to change their approach. They got to take something away. They don't take the run game away, pass game away. You know, they, they got to put their eggs into one basket. And there you have it. Yeah, I. One is thing, it, do you think the defense is worse? Because I don't. I just think it's injured. I think the defense. We talked about it being opportunistic earlier. I think that's really one of the things that this team's good at. I think they're good at turning the football over and Shane and, and and stealing a possession or two for your offense. I think is a is a winning formula. I don't think the run defense and the pass defense one of they yeah. need to get better in both both regards. But I do think they've turned the ball over and that really does help them if they can get the offense back going. I tend to think yeah, if you can continue this trend of turnovers, yeah. right. And then Patrick gets a little bit healthier. I, I think these 10 days off his ankle will help as long as he doesn't get a couple bad hits tomorrow. I, it's become a trend now yeah. where he looks okay at the beginning of the games and then he gets taken down and he just looks different. He does. It, there's it, Every single, the last two weeks, has been, it's been a two-act play. Yeah, the first act is Mahomes looks kind of normal, relatively normal. He looks good. And then the broadcast cuts to him limping. And then everything after that limp is just not the same guy. And that's just been the reality of the last two weeks. He can't have that happen again. He needs to get healthy. Once he gets healthy, this thing is going to be fine. But it's been it's been unenjoyable to watch after he limps. Let's go to NFL Network's Kyle Brandt. You know, Arrowhead Pride is one of our favorite blogs. Yes. Chiefs blog, great blog. They reached out to me yesterday and said, can you make a... Thanks, Kyle. Prediction for this game. We want to post it. And I'm thinking about putting on the black hat or putting on the barrel and picking the Broncos in this one. Peter's talking about Sammy Watkins. I want to talk about Chris Harris Jr., who was an unbelievably good cornerback. And I just think when you play Mahomes, whether it's Watkins, Hill, I think your DBs really got to show up. He had a great day, Chris Harris did, against the Chargers, so much against Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was mad and started tweeting, this boy can't hold my jock strap. And there was a whole thing about it. He is a fantastic player. And we're going to talk Vaughn and everything. But I think to beat Mahomes, you got to have someone who can run with Tyreek or Sammy or Kelsey, whoever it is. Chris Harris Jr., I think, is going to be the key to this game. As, as obscure as that may sound, the DB. And I think, I don't know, it's a game-time decision for me. This one stinks like an upset special. Going on the team blog and picking the other team is like going above and beyond just doing on our show. He wants to bring back the barrel? Yeah, yeah look, the barrel. I think we got it somewhere. I don't know where that barrel I wore a barrel last year. I don't think we do, but we'll check. <laughs> That's Kyle Brandt talking about Chris Harris Jr. as the key to the game. And this is no offense to Chris Harris Jr., who... I think right now I would love on the Chiefs. Be all right. I don't think anyone can run with Tyreek Hill. No, and I, 
I, I think last year, Chris Harris even talked about how they just ran. It's like a million miles. They ran him ragged. And I, there's not really anybody that is able to consistently keep up with him. But it's just a matter of it, they they don't need to keep up with him if the offensive line is not going to give Mahomes time, if he's not going to be able to create the same way he is. There's, there's a formula there where you don't have to necessarily keep up with Tyreek Hill the entirety of the game because they're not going to be able to do some of the things to get him the ball. This sucks, and it is what it is. You almost need a Derek Carr type of game plan right now where you're just getting the ball out of Mahomes' hand. If you look at the beginning of the game last week, if you look at the first half, that's what they were doing. They were right. utilizing the quick passing game. They are utilizing the screen game. They got a little bit greedy. They tried the play-action shot after the turnover. And then the second half was an abysmal play calling. You did, they decided to try to give the ball to DeAnthony Thomas, the sixth-best offensive weapon on the field at the time. And yes, I said sixth, even though there's five eligible receivers because Cam Irving probably could catch a pat. Anyways, I, they, they just, is it just that Andy Reid needs to take the pat plays and rip them up? Uh, no, they don't need to rip up the pat plays. But in the meantime, the long, the long ones right now. For for now, Andy Reid's got to manage this thing. He has to, and he did a good job managing it for thirty minutes last week. Actually, thirty minutes in the first drive of the second half, that was totally acceptable. And then they he went away from the things that they were doing well the two three and outs and that's ultimately what lost him the game Andy has to carry this team with his schemes with his with his brilliant designs the quick game the screen right. game all that stuff run the football run the football they have to they have to for that was 60 one thing minutes. that stuck out to me this week a lot of people went into LaShawn McCoy and said doesn't the run game have to improve and he just kind of stared at everybody and said I think the run game is pretty good like eight carries of 44 yards that's good Run, give it to him more. Maybe you can get you know more than twelve or fifteen yard carries. Fun stat: the Chiefs had more yards per carry than the Texans last week. Yeah, you wouldn't know it, but you wouldn't know it, Kent. Here's the thing: they they're utilizing the run pass options for the majority of their running games. So the decision is made by Pat whether it's a pass or a run, and he's made the good decisions. Eric Bieniemy said Pat's making the right decisions. We roll with Pat. We trust Pat, and he's been good. But maybe you just design a. Maybe you give designed run plays a little bit just to try to create a little bit more balance. Let your linemen get downfield, which they can't do with the run pass options. Maybe establish that a little bit to protect your quarterback, the franchise. Protect the most the most precious gem in the National Football League right now. He's hobbled. You need to protect him. You need to take care of him because there's 10 games left in the regular season and hopefully three more after that if you can get him through these next 10 and make the playoffs. They will. Kent, we got an explosive 15 minutes left for you. We're going to talk to Mile High Report. That's our sister site covering the Denver Broncos and find out what they are thinking into heading into this game. We're going to take your tweets and your texts, 69306, or get us get at us at Arrowhead Pride. Everything is coming up, and it's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by Village West Discount Liquors. Pete Sweeney here, hanging out with Kent Swanson, our lead film and draft analyst at Arrowhead Pride. Big game coming up tomorrow, Kent. The Chiefs taking on the division rival Denver Broncos. This was a conversation that we were having most of the day on 610 Sports Radio. Do you find for the Chiefs that this is a must-win game? I kind of do. 
Uh, I, I don't want to say a must-win game in Week 7, but this team's coming off two really tough losses. They've really put themselves behind the eight ball for their expectations. I think that's really what it is, is this team has such lofty expectations. This isn't a team, this isn't the Bills hoping to make the playoffs, hoping to be a wild card. This team's trying to win a Super Bowl because they're well-positioned to win a Super Bowl because of who their quarterback is. So, games like the last two weeks at home against the AFC South, they matter. They matter for what this team's trying to do. They're trying to get a bye week. They're probably not going to get the one overall seed right now because the Patriots are already two games up. Now that now now they're in a they're in a dogfight to try to get one of those buys. Right. And I I look at it similar like as you look at it. I think coming into the season, what we assumed was that all right, the Chiefs will be the one or two seed, maybe three or four if things get a little weird and off kilter Mm -hmm. it's starting to seem like another loss or two and the first seed is completely out of the question it's already kind of a stretch now i'm not i'm not feeling it right now right and you're starting to approach the territory where you're just not getting a buy right don't let it get to a point where you may not win the division see and this is where i I have a hard time. Like this was a big win for them if they want to win the division because that would mean they have two road AFC wins already. Like that would be huge. That would be huge for this football team. Uh, they've already got one. They probably got the toughest division game off their off their plate already. They already won it by eighteen points in Oakland. Who thought Oakland on the road was going to be the toughest AFC West opponent? Seems like it probably is now. So they've got that one. They get this one. That's that's still huge for what they're trying to accomplish because that means they're probably a three seed at minimum. Right. I it's big too to to just remind Denver who you are because you can let Denver back in the door in this game and you've won seven times in a row. Make it eight. Say all of these bad things happened to our team, yet we still came in and got down to business and were able to accomplish it. Tyron Matthews thinking the right way. He talked to the media yesterday. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we all have expectations, especially me um, coming here, um, you know, wanting to be a part of this team. Um, I, my, my, my mindset is to, you know, obviously stick with the process, uh, believe in the process, um, and understanding that great things do sometimes, you know, take time. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we're still working towards our ultimate goal. And, um, you know, the more and more we could, you know, have adversity, um, have um, difficult situations. Um, I feel like all those things are, are help us, help bring us together um, if our mindset is right, um, which I think it is. And um, so this week, especially the big week, division opponent. Um, so I really, really want to see how we prepare and, uh, you know, in the short week and how we come out and perform Thursday. So Matthew's saying the right things. Before we get into what he was talking about, if you're wondering what that beep was, Reggie Ragland had connected his boombox Bluetooth. <laughs> I and, was wondering what that was. And it made a sound. So if you're, if you're wondering, there you go. I was wondering. Uh, but Matthew's still saying the right things. And, and I think in the NFL from, from covering it now for five or six years, what you realize is keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Because if you can get that victory and then you have 10 days off, and then maybe you get a guy or two back, you feel a lot better about this than if you're losing three going into 10 days of waiting to play the Green Bay Packers. I saw, uh, Pete, I saw on Twitter, I think you might have asked the question, you know, kind of what your what your hot take, I guess, is for the Chiefs and his Dirkness. 
our, our pal. Pal of Arrowhead Pride and, and one of the OGs of, of Chiefs Twitter. He said, these last two losses are ultimately going to make this season that much more sweeter, that much more fun. And it's, it, I think it's kind of the heart of what Tyron Matthews talking about is that adversity. They're facing a lot of adversity right now. They're being challenged. This team is being challenged. And everyone in Kansas City is freaking out because Patrick Mahomes is hurt because, you know, uh, this team has lost two straight games at home against the AFC South, probably the weakest, well, probably the weakest division in, 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 in the AFC. Everyone's freaking out. If they can just get through a, this this little stretch, if they can break this this trend of lot of losing and just get a, a win on the road against Denver and kind of get this thing back going to where you're you're used to it with, right. with Mahomes and getting healthy and all that stuff. Like I, I could see why you know we we could be looking back at this in December and laughing, but so. they, they've got to get they got to get things right now. Just want to apologize. We did promise Mile High Report. We've had trouble reaching them. So instead, what we're going to give the people is your Survivor pick <laughs> a, a, a distant consolation prize. Okay, so uh, I'm still in. Peter, are you still in this thing? Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom for, for a little oh, bit. Okay. I, I'm going to take that as a no, I guess. Uh, so I, have to uh, go. I've, been, I've been rooting against the San Francisco 49ers for the entire season because I want the Chiefs to get their draft pick and then be bad. So mm-hmm. uh they could have a really good second round pick if the Niners are terrible, but they're not. They're good. And I'm now picking them in the survivor pool to uh, to win this week, to continue the streak, keep it alive. Wow. Real hill turn for Ken. I know, right? right? It's just, uh, I, I, I feel like I lack character, if I'm being honest. It's time now for you to get your word in. Let's hear from the text line. 69306. We'll go through your text as we close out Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by Village West Discount Liquors. Seriously, what if we lose this game? <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be good. You're not going to feel good about it. I wonder if that was like a text from like one of the Chiefs in Denver. I, it might be. It might be. But the, the the thing that would suck about losing this game is you'd have to let it fester for 10 days and all of Sunday because the Chiefs play on Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers in 10 days or 11 days, I guess. That would be an, an awful feeling. Be that, a grim, grim oh, 10 like, days. Sit there for 10 days. You have to watch every other team play on Sunday and then wait till Sunday night football and not feel good about winning on Sunday night football. Oh, it would be awful. 816 says our toughest game is against the Chargers in the division, just considering our defensive deficiency and inability to stop the run and having to face Gordon and Eckler. I could see them carrying the ball 50 times in that game. I don't think they've watched the Chargers lately because I know that they can run the football a little bit, but I am not scared of them at all. They are not in good shape right now. They look like a bad football team. Uh, From the 816, we don't need a Super Bowl this year in all caps. The Patriots would beat us anyway. I don't know if they could beat you in the Super Bowl. Uh, Let them have (laughs) their seventh Super Bowl, and we need to lose the rest of our games. Uh, What? A very disgruntled... Um, a very disgruntled. It's it's hard to tank if you have four team. games. It's hard to tank if you have four wins on the ledger already. I okay, whatever, sure. Don't give uh, up. It's Patrick Mahomes. Let him get healthy. From Twitter, could this be the Denver game? Three panic attack games in a row. Are you hitting the panic button after the, if they lose this game? I don't think I am. I'm not hitting the panic button. I just know how hard it's going to be for this team to be as positioned as they want to be to try to make a run at this thing. They Really, what happens, they need to get into the playoffs and let Patrick Mahomes be healthy. But if they don't get a bye, they're making it that much harder for them, especially since this team has something in their DNA that makes them think, you know, makes them, you know, kind of self-explode or self-implode, you know. But don't freak out. As long as Mahomes gets healthy and they make the playoffs, it, it, anything's on the table still. It just could be a lot harder. Chiefs fans don't want to hear this, but 
you're looking at a window, I think, of four or five weeks until everyone gets back and is ready and healthy. If you can go three and two or even two and three in that time and just be still in the mix and have your best team at the end of the season full, healthy, and ready to go, isn't that better? And I know I said it, than being 16 and 0 and then not facing any adversity and getting upset in the playoffs? Yeah. 100%, right? I think Bill Belichick even said when his team went 18 and 0 going into the Super Bowl, they wish he, he wishes they would have lost one. You know, have that experience, you know, have that moment of honesty. So the Chiefs have two of those now, so I guess it's not a bad thing. It's double as nice, I guess. Uh, can you guys tell us who our linebackers are? Everyone's talking about the defense, and no one's mentioning the linebackers. Aren't they kind of responsible? It's been some bad ta- bad tackling uh, along the second level of defense. Friend, we have a podcast for you if you want to check out the uh, Airhood Pride Laboratory. We've been talking plenty about the linebackers. They are not good. There yeah. is a lot of problems, and they're not healthy. The so. Airhead Pride Podcast Network, wherever you listen to your podcast, the AP Lab comes out every week. How many failed years are we going to have before we decide to get the coach that's going to win the Super Bowl? Wow. Some Andy Reid takes in there. There's, I mean, I, I understand some people are frustrated with Andy Reid. I think Patrick Mahomes is the guy that can kind of balance some of his deficiencies. Uh, I still have plenty of faith in Andy Reid. I have faith in Andy Reid, too. And I think in these times, I understand because Philadelphia has sent the warnings of Andy Reid and all his problems. But it's very tough to make the playoffs in the National Football League. You forget that when you become... Uh, a team that makes it every year because you want more and more and more. You saw with the Royals. Luckily, there was a payoff. You hope that happens with the Chiefs. No, absolutely. And I I, I still think that the, it, that Andy Reid's been so consistent about getting this team to the playoffs, and, and he just needs somebody to make a few plays to maybe uh, solve some of his maybe management issues. I think Patrick Mahomes can bail him out of some situations there. We are about 24 hours from the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football. Please join us again tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m. We will have the Arrowhead Pride tailgate as driven by Aristocrat Motors, previewing everything you need to know headed into this division game uh, on Thursday night. I want to thank Craig Stout uh, for coming on board with us. Good morning, football, for mentioning us again. The Crame Dog. Uh, Jay Binkley is coming up next. I'm going to stick with him. For Kent Swanson, you've been listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented uh, by Village West Discount Liquors for the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Please subscribe to us. And I'm going to stick with uh, Bink. I'll talk to you in a second. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.